I am Theodora, and you are listening to Spiritual Slut, the shameless podcast for a woman who are unapologetically sexual and spiritual. Spiritual Slut. <laughs> <laughs> Spiritual slut. Spiritual slut. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. You are listening to Spiritual Slut, the podcast, and I am your host, Theodora. And I am so grateful that you decided to press play today on this episode. I want to talk about soul wounds some more today as I started to talk about soul wounds in the previous episode. I want to continue this conversation with you guys and continue to discuss soul wounds and especially the soul wound of humiliation, which is when I am currently transmuting. And I also want to talk about radical self-acceptance, about attachment styles and how they relate to soul wounds. And just keep you updated with my most recent love adventures. So let's dive right in. In the previous episode, I was talking about my soul wound of abandonment. So I invite you to have a listen to this episode if you haven't already, because I dive a bit deeper on this soul wound of mine. That will also give you a bit of context as to where I was in my romantic uh, adventures, if I can say, with my partner in conflict. <laughs> and so we were supposed to meet at some point as soon as we would be able to, because he had, if you've listened to the previous episode, you know that he had cancelled me time and time again. And so I was kind of giving up on the idea of seeing him altogether and I was focusing more on myself. And because I had finally transmuted, maybe not totally, but at least a great deal, I had transmuted my soul wound of abandonment. I was happy to focus on myself and I was happy to, you know, just take care of my own life and be happy with my own solitude, you know. There's this saying I read somewhere, I guess it's a meme on Instagram or something, but it read, if you're not sweeter than my own solitude, then... I don't want you in my life. And that was it. I was finding my solitude really sweet. And so I had this friend, a very close friend of mine that I've known for many, many years visiting me. And we hadn't been able to see each other for a couple of years because of the international hay fever crisis. So, <laughs> so I wasn't able to see her in person for such a long time. And because she was able to finally come to visit me in person, um, for a few days, uh, like a long weekend, actually, I really wanted to focus on her and to really spend most of my time with her and, you know, not give up on her for a date or whatever else, especially considering that my partner in conflict technically lives on the island, even though he has to travel for work. So, so I was not available because I was taking care of my friend and of course, he returned the day that my friend landed and he was like, I just landed. I want to see you today. How does it work? And I was like, I told you yesterday before you wrote me that you were about to arrive. I told you that my friend was going to be there too and that I was going to be focusing on her. So I can't actually meet you for a few days, but I'll be yours after Wednesday when she flies back to London. 
and here he goes making some sort of scene to me later on he said that he was trying to be funny which he obviously wasn't as I felt sort of disrespected especially considering that when I had wanted to see him he cancelled on me time and time again however when he himself wanted to see me I could not tell him no like he couldn't take no for an answer while he would expect me to take no for an answer many times which wasn't fair at all at least that's how I felt I felt like he was treating me in a really unfair way but anyway I was on the phone with him and my friend was next to me so so I was trying to be the bigger person in the conversation for once which I believe consists of trying to be responding instead of reacting even though my emotions were still there so he called me a couple of times maybe even more actually <laughs> I mean I love hearing this man's voice obviously so he can call me as many times as he likes and I will always try to answer to the best of my ability but still it was really intense because I felt really conflicted between taking care of my friend and spending quality time with her without checking my phone all the time and answering the phone answering him so so anyway I went on to spend the evening with my friend and she could sense that I was somewhat upset about the whole conversation even though I wasn't saying anything because she happens to be an empath just like me and maybe even stronger so and so I was poker facing my emotions which is my go-to strategy whenever I feel an uncomfortable emotion I don't want to say negative emotion because I don't believe there is like such a dichotomy between emotions like positive negative it's more like when it's a bit disruptive and uncomfortable to me then I would poker face it and I am very cognizant that this stems from my humiliation soul wound my soul wound of humiliation because um, I'll develop on this later but basically when you have this soul wound of humiliation you have a hard time showing yourself as showing your vulnerability through your emotions and appearing vulnerable through your emotions and this is something I've been struggling with uh, recently but anyway my friend who's an empath could see past my poker face and she was clearly sensing my emotions and she went like babe let it go just let it go for tonight and I was like I didn't even know what to think and what to feel anymore and she said listen the next logical step is that he's going to apologize for his behavior because it's obviously not really nice what he's doing and if he cares about you he's going to want to fix this and surprisingly or unsurprisingly he did shortly after my friend said that and I immediately felt a sense of relief and I want to say this I truly believe that the glue of a relationship is how able you are to fix things quickly rather than you know letting things degrade because there is going to be some damage one way or another and so the only way to make a relationship last is to be able to fix things quickly and rapidly and acknowledge the damage before it becomes too hard to repair so of course I immediately texted back saying that I was really thankful that he would say this and apologize like you know with heart emoji and stuff but then I arrived at the restaurant so 
I had to put my phone away. And of course, little did I know that he was carrying the conversation in my text messages and I couldn't read it because it's kind of rude, not kind of rude, it is really rude to be on your phone texting someone for half an hour when you're supposedly meeting new people. You are expected to be present in the moment and not on your phone. So of course, I put my phone back in my bag thinking with my rational mind, my left side of the brain, it's all good now. He apologized. Everything is fine. I can go about my night. But uh, weirdly enough, I received some sort of, and that's the spiritual bit of the podcast here. I received some like deep, deep sadness in my heart chakra. And this sadness really tasted like my significant other. So that's how I knew it was coming from him. But I thought it was weird because I thought everything was fine. I thought everything was all good since he apologized by text. So I didn't really understand why I was feeling this deep sadness coming from him. And again, my friend could sense that I was receiving some pain. I guess as an empath, she was receiving the pain, but she wasn't sure where it was coming from. So that makes three of us in pain. First, my significant other for a reason that I wasn't aware of at the time. Then myself for receiving his pain. And lastly, my friend for receiving his pain through me. <laughs> Interesting, right? The empath club. And so the guys we were having dinner with left and we decided, my friend and I, to stay, just the two of us, to have like private time together. And so this is when I decided to check my phone and that's when I noticed all the messages from my partner in conflict that I had not read until then. They explained the pain I was receiving uh, from him. And so long story short, he was telling me how I had heard him on the phone because I said some that didn't sit well with him even though I had apologized immediately after saying it as I realized that I can be really clumsy sometimes in my expression because I have fucking big Sag energy with my Sag rising and I know I can make some people I'm comfortable with my bigness sometimes. So anyway, I was being clumsy in that earlier phone conversation and I did apologize. But then for some reason, he has gone back to this circle of, you know, complaining about how I had triggered something really hurtful, how he was disappointed in me, that he thought I was someone who understood him, etc. And I was like, what is expected of me right there? Is it expected of me to respond? Is it expected of me to just disappear? Because it wasn't really nice the way you wrote this. And of course, when you write from a place of hurt, you're not going to be nice to the other person. So I had to take a step back and detach a bit from the situation because obviously I was hurt too. You know, to read something like this, it was, I wasn't sure if I was being rejected, to be honest. So I took a step back and my friend saw me, saw my pain and she was like, let it go. This is a soul wound talking right there in your text messages. Don't talk to the wound. You will talk to your significant other tomorrow after you've slept on it. But right now, there's no point because this would be like addressing to a wound you don't want to have a conversation with a wound because it's not yours to heal and she was right it's not mine to heal so 
So I slept on it <laughs> as per my friend's recommendation. And she was right because the morning after already I had some more clarity. And um, this is going to be a topic for another episode because I have these, I want to say morning practices, but it's not even attached to a moment of the day. But I have these daily kind of rituals that I'm implementing. And they, they vary with my mood. But one of the things I like to do when I go through something like this, I started really recently to journal. And so I started journaling what I was feeling. And to me, journaling looks like writing all the draft messages in your email box that you would never send to your partner in conflict because you feel like they're never going to read it or, you know. So to me, this is journaling. I'm writing the email that I'm never going to send, basically. So I started redacting a message to my significant other without the intention of actually sending the message, if it <laughs> makes any sense. I was writing freely my stream of consciousness, all the things that I would have replied to him, all the things that came to mind when writing in order to gain more clarity on my ideas and feelings. And again, for the woo part, I have a Gemini moon, so I tend to intellectualize my feelings a lot. I process them with my mind. So that's exactly what journaling is to me. It's a way for me to process all my emotions and feelings. So yeah, Gemini moon here. <laughs> and also because I have this tendency of poker facing my emotions to the point that I am such a good actress that I even don't know myself how I actually feel inside. Anyway, journaling is a great practice for this, I find. And I was a bit skeptical at first because I was like, journaling, this seems so boring. Like, I'm a very nerdy kind of person, <laughs> very, very geeky even. And so I'm always on my phone, on my computer, like technology, right? So like journaling with a pen and paper, <laughs> I was like, who does this anymore? But the thing is, and it's true what they say in the self-development books, self-help books, that when you journal, you actually connect with the paper because you are using a part of your body, you hold the pen, there's like a, a physical connection to this little ritual that you are implementing for yourself. And I am learning to love uh, journaling. Like, I don't want to say, oh, I do morning pages because most of the time for me is going to be evening pages or afternoon pages even. But you get my point. I feel like writing for yourself, using a pen and paper so that you can connect with your body is a great way to reconnect with your actual feeling. And it gives you... It gives you more perspective because you can reread it with another state of mind. And also it's very cathartic because your emotions get to get out somewhere. And I want to state that for me, recording um, the podcast, the music, the songs, writing the songs was my cathartic ways of parting with the pain and of parting with the emotions that were stuck in my body. So because I'm not really recording an album right now, I will be very soon, but I'm not recording at the moment. So I need some sort of cathartic outlet. And I find that journaling is great for this. Anyway, that was the little side note about journaling. I hope you liked it. Back to my story. What was I saying again? Oh, that um, I was a great actress and that <laughs> no wonder it became a career. I can poker face my own emotions to the point that I don't even feel them for myself anymore. And so by journaling and by writing this message that I initially didn't intend to send, I managed to get in touch with what I was feeling. And 
this is where the magic happens, right? Where the transmuting of wounds happen. In my case, the wound of humiliation. And just to give you an idea of what a wound of humiliation can do to you, it can prevent you from expressing your truth and accepting to show as vulnerable. So that would mean that uh, with a humiliation wound, you would not send the messages that you would write in fear of not being understood or because you think what you have to say has no value. So that was my case. I usually never send the messages I write, especially when they're important, because I think uh, what I think is not important. What I'm going to send to this person they're not going to read or if I send a voice note, they're not going to listen to them. So I end up never sending my messages or not sending my voice notes because I fear that I'm not going to be listened to or that what I have to say has no value. And so interestingly enough with this uh, relationship, I don't know why I want to change and shift my template around my wounds. But this time I was like, I'm going to send the message instead of my usual pattern of never sending my message for fear of not being read or not being listened to. So I don't know why this relationship evokes this in me. I guess I'm breaking the karmic cycle of relationships I've been previously in because in karmic relationships, you tend to reproduce the same behaviors that don't serve you until you learn the lesson. So I guess I'm done with the karmic relationships now, which is <laughs> a good thing. Or at least I am breaking the cycle currently with two of my soul wounds. I have many soul wounds, we all do. But apparently the soul wound of humiliation is the only one that we don't all necessarily have. Which means that we all have all the soul wounds except this one. This one is like an option, right? And so yours truly has been blessed with this optional soul wound. <laughs> So having a soul wound of humiliation would basically prevent you from expressing yourself with all the nuances that make a human being, you know, all the vulnerability, all these, all the tiny things that would make you uncomfortable. And so it's really interesting considering that I have a podcast named Spiritual Slut, right? I guess it's really cathartic for me. <laughs> it helps me transmuting the wound because it's not that I identify with the title, but I feel like I feel like somehow people think of the title as as a description of what I am, which is not really the case. But anyway, I'm sure you get my drift. <laughs> and so transmuting the wound, I did send the message that was not supposed to be sent initially because, you know, transmutation in progress. So I really felt like shifting my template around my wound and acting really differently from what I used to be doing with my previous karmic relationships evolution, right? So here am I typing the message that I had previously redacted with a pen and paper while journaling. I was now redacting it in my notes application on my phone, ready to send it. And, and when I sent it, that's when I realized all these times I had been doing it all wrong. You know, I was remembering all these times, shutting myself off. In my previous relationships by the past, I would get triggered and I would, I would not do anything about it. I would just try to protect myself and shut myself off. And so this time I wanted to be different and not shut myself off. 
probably because this time I became cognizant of my soul wound of humiliation and being cognizant about this wound meant that I was I had the awareness to be able to do something about it and even though I still feel like I have work to do on it obviously I wouldn't be talking to you guys about this otherwise and what I mean by that is we are on earth to transmute soul wounds and as soon as we have transmuted all the wounds then there is no more karma to transmute so there is no point of us being alive anymore because life is a school so if I am alive and speaking today that means I still have karma to transmute and I still have a lot of healing to do right and so in the process of healing my soul wounds I guess for the first time, at least for this very wound of humiliation, I went into a redemption sequence as opposed to a contamination sequence. If you're interested in this, I highly recommend the books of Dr. Alexandra Solomon, who talks about this very thoroughly. Basically, a contamination sequence is where you have this wiped and ingrained behavior that keeps you in a vicious circle, such as, you know, not voicing your pain or your feelings as they rise. And so when you don't voice your feelings as they rise, of course, people around you are going to keep on hurting you because they don't know they are hurting you because you don't voice your feelings. That's a vicious circle and that's a contamination sequence. And so the redemption sequence happens when you step into the awareness of the wound. That is when the healing starts. And so on a spiritual point of view, that is when you end the karmic cycle of repeating the same painful pattern over and over and over again. It's as if this relationship and the love you have uh, there, I said it, the love you have for the person helps you alchemize the pain into something more. It also helps you transmute karma that you might have related to the wound. In my case, I have karma on silencing myself. <laughs> I'm laughing because, and that's another woo bit of the podcast, but I have the awareness of a previous life of mine where I had no voice. And so I suppose me voicing my needs, my pain, my feelings is the correct way of responding as opposed to reacting because in my case reacting was silencing myself and shutting myself off that was a reaction that did look like a lack of reaction but it was actually a silence that was in reaction to what was happening to me or what I perceived to be this way and so my redemption sequence in that case was to finally send the message and so again, as I sent the message, I felt this warm feeling in my heart chakra, but this time it was a nice warmth. It had a sort of tingling to it and it tasted like my significant other. So it probably meant that my message was being read by him. I never had a connection with anyone like this before, even being a medium myself, because usually when I receive other people's feeling, I need to connect to them prior to receiving anything. And I don't know, I didn't actually consciously, at least, connect to him, but I seemed to be able to receive his feelings because the minute I received that, he called me. So of course I answered and... Uh, <laughs> 
he was kind of emptying his buffer on me like da 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 for five minutes and I couldn't say anything I could just listen but anyway there was no point in me replying to each and every point that he'd made the point was to stay on the frequency of love and just like acknowledge what he was saying and say something nicer which in this case was offering to meet my friend who was next to me and he said that I made it really clear that I would be busy spending quality time with my friend and so he had made other plans and so he wouldn't be available to meet my friend and I that night. So one hour later we take the taxi back to my place on the other side of the island because of course I live super far from where he lives and as we arrive like literally a couple of streets away from my place there it is again, the warmth in my heart chakra that tastes just like him. I feel him in my heart chakra and then I turn to my friend at the back of the car, at the back of the taxi and I say to her, I think he's missing me right now because I feel him. And so just as I say this, my phone rings, that's him calling again. <laughs> so he goes, are you still in town? And I'm like, no, we're heading back to my place. And he's like, how far are you? I'm like, we're nearly arrived. And he says, can't you turn around and we go for dinner, the three of us, your friend, you and myself. So what do I do? I ask the taxi driver to go back and we head for dinner with him, with my friend. So the dinner happens and because we didn't have a proper reconnection time, he doesn't kiss me on the lips like I expected him to. <laughs> Rejection, right? <laughs> Rejection wound, luckily. This is not a wound that is too strong for me. So anyway, the dinner goes quite well. I go to the bathroom and you know this thing we mediums tend to do when we see our reflection in the mirror? We have this tendency to ask questions to our reflection, hoping to, I don't know, hear some answers. And so I wash my hands and I look at my reflection. I look at myself in the eyes. I say to myself internally, <laughs> this is going really well. I think I really feel like I have transmuted my soul wound of abandonment. So what's next? And then I hear, oh, you still have this humiliation wound, don't you? And as I realize what it could potentially mean for the evening that I'm going to spend, I'm like, oh no, I really hope this isn't going to be... I hope that I'm not going to be humiliated tonight. And then I hear this reply from Soros. Don't worry, it's not going to be a big thing. You just have a little work to do, but it's going to happen tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to get humiliated tonight. I'm not looking forward to it, but at least I know there is some potential for growth on the soul level. So let's see what happens. I go back to the table and I sit down. And the minute I sit down, my friend politely asks my significant other, how did you guys meet? And of course, he replies, we met on Tinder and she was looking for clients. Right? So zero shame if you are a full service sex worker that uses Tinder for for work, zero shame in this. And I have always been an advocate for bodily autonomy. So just because I don't do full service sex work myself doesn't mean that I don't that I condemn it. 
I would never. And again, zero shame in this. But I feel like saying something so inappropriate was very triggering to me, regardless of my job or whatever it was that I used to be doing before, namely stripping, which was no secret to any protagonist at the table. But I don't know. I don't know if it's the conflation between full service sex work aka escorting with stripping which is obviously a very different job i don't know if it's this that made me feel very misunderstood or made me feel like my past was very much misunderstood or if it was just the fact that it was ridiculing sex work and conflating everything and it was supposed to be funny while it wasn't at all But there was like a micro moment of me being super triggered, even though I had been warned literally seconds before in the bathroom. I was like, here it is, the humiliation bit that everyone was warning me about. At least everyone upstairs. (laughs) I mean, at least I had the awareness. So there was my chance to shift my template around this humiliation wound of mine by recognizing that it was just my insecurities showing up as opposed to a personal attack, which it obviously wasn't. I say obviously, but it wasn't obvious in the moment, but it is now that I'm recording the podcast. I did recognize that it was my insecurities flaring up. And so I didn't react as in I didn't make a scene and I didn't shut off at least not totally I think but to be honest I wasn't ready to um, enforce a healthy boundary either at the time which is clearly something I have to work on but to be fair I was with my friend and I truly believe that this sort of conversation has to happen in private so hopefully when I do have a private moment with my partner in conflict I will be able to discuss this and other issues that we might have had and so this conversation will happen later on in the relationship stay tuned <laughs> for the updates but um, but well at least I was not reacting from my wound I was hurt for sure but at least I had the awareness. So I decided to carry on the conversation like nothing happened. And interestingly enough, because my friend, again, is such an empath, she felt my pain and I could see in her eyes that she was in pain for me and I was like I'm so sorry that you're receiving my pain because I'm trying to get over this pain I'm trying to you know sweep it under the rug at least for tonight and here you are reminding me of my own pain while I am trying really hard to stifle my indignation to be in the self-regulation mode right so to me self-regulation just to explain a little is listening to the wisdom from your third eye and you certainly know if you know about the chakras that the third eye chakra gives you wisdom intuition compassion so i was trying to tap into this so i could you know start my redemption sequence as we mentioned earlier the first step being recognizing that it was not personal which was really hard for me to recognize in this very micro moment So anyway, I was trying to self-regulate and I guess this is the first step towards radical self-acceptance because when you self-regulate, when you start your redemption sequences, you are telling yourself, I acknowledge that I have wounds and I forgive myself for having these and I accept myself regardless. 
you are telling yourself, I can be vulnerable and I can be safe in my emotions and I accept myself as I am, right? And I see this as the ultimate self-acceptance. Uh, it's radical self-acceptance. I also believe that when you start to radically accept yourself, that's when you can start accepting others and more specifically a significant other. It's easier to accept them as they are with their wounds when you first understand yours. I mean, nobody's perfect. We're all on earth to heal, learn and grow. And I kind of wonder if it's the reason why we tend to be attracted to a um, significant other who has complementary soul wounds to ours in the sense that because we are triggering each other so deeply and activating each other's wounds, maybe that's why we are kind of spiritually paired, if it makes sense. From my observation in my short lifespan, I have noticed that people with the soul wound of abandonment tend to be attracted to or even be in a partnership with people with the complementary soul wound of rejection, which also reminds me of the attachment styles. Amongst them is the secure attachment style, the anxious attachment style, which really looks like the soul wound of abandonment, the dismissive avoidant attachment style, which resemble the soul wound of rejection and Lastly, the fearful avoidant attachment style, which is kind of a mix between the anxious and the dismissive avoidant styles. So that would probably equate to someone with both soul wounds of rejection and abandonment. And so if you are one of these lucky winners of both wounds, then I guess happy birthday. <laughs> Just kidding. Back to the correlation between soul wounds and attachment styles. I truly believe that the reason why people with an anxious attachment style like myself are or tend to be attracted and in a relationship or a partnership with someone with a dismissive avoidant attachment style is because they kind of yearn for the qualities that their partner have developed. For example, in my case, with the anxious attachment style, I am admirative of a partner who would have developed independence, a partner that is very focused on their job, their career, very pragmatic and practical. Since apparently when you have a dismissive avoidant attachment style, you tend to develop your left side of the brain much more. And conversely, when you have an anxious attachment style, you tend to have developed your right side of the brain much more, which is the emotional side of the brain. So that makes you someone more attuned and sensitive to other people's feelings and emotions. You tend to have more empathy and more emotional expressivity, which is a quality that is yearned by the opposite polarity of dismissive avoidant attachments. Does this make sense? It's as if people with a dismissive avoidant attachment style are yearning for the emotional expressivity and the warmth of people with an anxious attachment style because they can't express themselves so eloquently, at least on an emotional level. And at the same time, it's like they want this, but at the same time, they feel deeply uncomfortable with all the public displays of affection that would come from someone with an anxious attachment style. 
not only that, but they struggle themselves to actually display affection. Because during the first years of their lives, of their childhood, they have been so deprived of them that they don't know how to perform them later in their adult life. So they really struggle to, um, you know, like hold hands in public, hug people, especially their significant other. It's like they want it, but they feel really clumsy with all these public displays of affection. They fear being rejected, which they have been during all their childhood. So hello, soul wound of rejection. To give you an example, I just want to get back to my story a little bit. Uh, when I was at this restaurant and I didn't get my kiss, I felt rejected. But at the same time, at the table, uh, my significant other managed to talk really dirty to me. I'm laughing because the whole scene was actually filmed unexpectedly. Uh, <laughs> So I believe I wasn't really being rejected in the sense that someone who would be able to express an interest in uh, <laughs> having an intimate moment with me in such a public way isn't really rejecting me. I believe this rejection wound is the opposite polarity to my anxious attachment style. And so that would be the dismissive avoidant attachment style. So long story short, I was expecting a public display of affection, like, I don't know, a hug, a kiss, something. And instead, I got dirty talk in public. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my stories, my adventure and my spiritual quest. I hope that this episode has served you and I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to the show so that you get notified of the upcoming episodes because I don't really post regularly or at least not consistently in a true manifesting generator fashion. I just record when I feel so inspired and as my life unfolds. So stay tuned, <laughs> subscribe, and of course, leave me a review, hopefully a glowing five-star review. I love them. They make my day and also they allow me to figure out whether my musings have reached your pretty ears. So I look forward to connect with you in the reviews. You can also come say hi on IG at Spiritual Slot Podcast, as well on our Telegram channel, t.me slash spiritual slut. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for pressing play. I look forward to see you on the next episode. Bye guys. Mwah.